Hey, Sam. Hey, Nathan. What's up? Hanging. What's going on? Uh, I am uploading a photo to the service I was like really excited about for a month or so, and, and I still am. I just have kind of, my excitement has waned. It's the uh, Lightroom editing, like social media thing they're trying to push with Lightroom Mobile. Did you yep. ever like create your own profile and check that out? I did create my own profile. I did not check it out. Cool. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. It hasn't really like exploded in popularity, probably because I don't know. I, I don't get the sense that a lot of people are using Lightroom Mobile very much. I think yeah, they I don't know who would be. It's kind of clunky. I not clunky, really like the cloud integration using this yeah. plugin that I um, uh, recommended on Patreon from Jeffrey, Jeffrey Friedel, Friedel. He was the guy that made a plugin back in the day before there were any publishing plugins. He had like just wrote his own to publish directly out of Lightroom to Smugbug. Uh, mm-hmm. He used his his plugin forever, and uh, anyway, he has another like cloud solution that he built that's really really awesome. Like without, for me, a good cloud setup and workflow means that things are where I need them to be when I need when I want them, without me having to have done anything ahead of time. Like it doesn't help me right. to have the ability to like manually push something to the cloud at my desktop because almost always when I need it remotely on mobile, I haven't anticipated that I'm going to need it. And when <laughs> like right. I need to be like, when I realize I need it, I have to go back to my computer and like find it, you know, whatever it is. Like, it's just a weird thing that like, it needs to be ever present all the time without having to do anything. And he his plugin. I basically have my in progress and my delivered folders totally separate for all my personal and client work. And mm-hmm. uh, essentially anything that's still in in progress is always synced to the cloud so I can get it at any time on any mobile device. And then anything that's delivered is removed from the cloud, but anything that's starred and flagged like a four star, which I would share on social media, like my favorite photos basically are always there. They never get removed from the cloud. So it's a right. really, and, and that's completely automated. So I have been using Lightroom mobile a lot more because of my easy access to, to stuff. And it's a cool system, but I uh, was taking a deep dive into my old, old archives. I'm talking like yep. 2009 and I came Whoa. across, remember that trip we took to uh, Hunter's head? Was it? Hunter's? Yeah. 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 So Out there's Upperville. A, yeah. There's a picture I had actually made as a cool metal print of this, this mirrored uh, trees on, on the lake. I'll send you it in iMessage because you'll remember instantly. I had it hanging in my room forever. But the reason I was taking a deep dive was that I was, uh, and we don't need to talk too much about this, but I was trying to find old photos I took of uh, Ruth, RBG. Uh, I always want to say RGB because of the colors. I know, me too. Yeah, so I mix up her name in my head a lot. But uh, yeah, I remember I photographed her at an event along with Sandra Day O'Connor, who was the first woman pointed to the Supreme court ever. Neither was that at the press club. Neither of them were fans of of photos at all. It was very (laughs) awkward. They like clearly had, I was, I was enemy number one in that room. It wasn't like, uh, okay, make it fast. It was like, don't take my photo. (laughs) Okay. I have to, (laughs) it does happen. But, um, anyway, I came across this was a similar time period. It wasn't, I still haven't found my photos yet. I need to search harder, but I just, I messaged it to you. That was a really great trip. And so oh, I re-edited so fun. the photo with a bit more of a current Sam edit and I'm uploading it to Lightroom's uh, mobile thing to come cool. full circle on the conversation. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I actually also went, found those photos recently. They were in like my old smug mug account and I had everything moved over to pick time and so I was going through some of my oldest stuff and I was like, oh my God, I can't like, can't believe we did that. I, I don't yeah. know. So that was like 2009. That was right before we even shot a wedding together, I think. Yeah, it was. I, yeah. Before, I think yeah, that was before we, we wedding were like, photography. We were gearing up and yeah, we, we were had gearing like up. stuff to go test just like out in the field. This, this I think was shot with my nikon do i have it in the metadata d700 and the 14 to 24 i had just gotten which i still have that lens actually me too uh, i still have my cool. 14 to 24 too although i just got it repaired and i'm gonna sell it so yeah, if anybody wants it too. message me i um, just bought an inflatable hot tub so i need to sell some stuff to pay for it <laughs> oh my god <laughs> uh sam the 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 tech addict Sam heard, uh, is this techie? I don't know. It's awesome. Here, I'll send you a link. It's called, okay. Uh, so it is. Yeah. I, I figured it's it would called, be. um, 
Soft Tub. Oh, that's funny. I use a suite of audio editing plugins called Soft Tube. Soft Tube, uh, yeah. It's a very similar website, obviously. It's just you drop the E for this this thing called the Soft Tub. I got the Sportster 140, which is like a small two-person. And uh, it's nice. It's got like a faux, I think they call it Leather X, outer uh, cover that you can uh, customize in terms of color. And it looks awesome. It's expensive, though. <laughs> so, oh, that is cool. Yeah. That's really cool. But it's so cool. Uh, Nessa is really, she has an aversion to hot tubs. Like, stylistically, they, they're just generally bad news for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just visual clutter that she'd rather not have. But I love using a hot tub through the winter it's like one of my my mom got one like 15 years ago and yeah that's one of my favorite things to sit sit out in the cold like you know winter night when it gets dark at five and like Mm -hmm. chill in the hot tub it's the best thing so what's cool about this is that not only is it ultra portable because i think it's inflatable if not then it does like it is meant to be easily moved and rolled around um but not only is it ultra portable but it doesn't require any um special uh, like 220 volt connection or anything like a lot of a lot of hot tubs requ- require 60 amp stuff this plugs into a oh, literal gotcha. regular outlet which is crazy whoa yeah <laughs> it's not gonna like burn it out or something no and, and it'll work inside you can use it indoors if you want which is hilarious i wouldn't do that but That's I, really I don't funny. know it's got like built-in jets i mean it's small uh they have more way more expensive larger ones that probably use more sure. power but they have the resort 300 version anyway yeah. so okay going yeah, I need to going back though going back though to that to that day so yeah this was this was during the 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 times of like many photo ventures and i've been thinking a lot actually about because I, I went on a little mini photo venture with a, a friend of mine yasin elmensary who's a really good uh photographer here in baltimore and me and him were just going around i, I was actually trying to get some some album art for the for my new album, but it, we failed miserably. We got nothing. Um, but it was still fun to like go around and, and explore weird places in Baltimore. And I remember we did a bunch of photo ventures back when we were first starting. Yeah. We did like snowmageddon photo venture, which was great. We got some really weird, wacky photos in the snow. Um, with, and there was like, there was also like a weird day in Alexandria when we were living together that remember there was like a foggy night yes I, I came across those pictures i got one of you like taking a picture through a shopping cart that's yeah. pretty cool yeah yeah so we like it, it it was those days of like oh dude there's like this weird weather phenomenon let's go out and shoot it so we just like got in the car and like drove to the foggiest spot that we could find which was this big parking lot i guess that was crazy how much fog it was so dense i don't remember it just came out of nowhere. Yeah. I don't remember what was going on there. And I don't remember really seeing anything like it since it's been no. totally, it, it was yeah, totally weird, weird thing. It was like something out of like the, I definitely felt like I was in the mist. Do you ever see the mist? That's exactly. Or I always, my mind always goes to uh, oh crap. What's that horror, horror movie? Not the mist, but the, where they go through the fog and they're actually dead then, or they're in like the dead. Oh, is purgatory type thing. Resident. It's not resident evil. It's, is it? No, mist? it's, no. no, it's, it's the, it's, um, crap, the, a video game. It was a video yeah, game, right? It was a video game. Yeah. Somebody's yelling. It starts with an S. There. I remember. S- yeah. 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 Miss Sleepy Hollow. S- no. Stormy S- Town. S- or Sin. Dang it. Sin- Dude, this is going to, this <laughs> is going to bug me. Old Town Dead. I'm Googling I never missed video it. game Old Town Dead. <laughs> it's just getting <laughs> me missed. Uh, turned into a movie. Turned into yep. a movie. Let's see. Come on, Google. Do your thing. Come on, Google. It keeps saying the mist. I can't use mist because it's going to... I'm going to do fog. Fog. It's not Resident Evil, but it's... Silent Hill. No. Silent, Silent Hill. Hill. I knew it. it. Oh, yes. God. I never played it, but I was apparently really, really oh, freaking so scary. scary. I couldn't get through like five minutes of it. I remember trying to, <laughs> trying to play that thing. It was horrifying stuff. Yeah. It's very like the, the jump scares were... Yes. That was, that was what it was known for. And, that, and that's what that that's what that 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 fog felt like. I was like, I, this is creepy, but it was so cool that we and so we just shot it. And then yeah, and then we we did like an we went into DC one day or one night and got some like yeah, did like a we photo got, venture. Like, we're on some terrorist watch list. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Took our IDs and made us delete all our photos. We were photographing on a public street. Uh, there happened to be a building, Department of Energy building has like a breezeway or I don't know what you would call it that like connects yeah. over archway. the street. 
Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't arch shaped though, but it was just like a, you know, almost what you'd see between like a parking garage and a hospital. Yeah. I feel like they're really common at hospitals for whatever reason. Covered it, walkways. Yeah. And it just goes over the street and we were photographing underneath it. And, uh, but it was like midnight. So I guess in some way they thought it was whatever. That was, I do <clears> remember <throat> looking a little sketchy at the time. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we were. <laughs> Not I think I had like camo. Well. I think <laughs> yeah. I had like a camo bandana okay. on. That's something. funny. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's um, it was fine, but I'm sure it was still sort of weird though that they asked for our actual like IDs. I was like, screw you. Uh, and this was yeah, again like 11 years ago. So yeah, and like- yeah, and then we we did this like photo venture out in in Upperville. I came across some old images of a green and white bus. Does that happen to jog your memory at all? It was like a decrepit school bus. It was like a school bus, but it was older and it was green and white. Uh, I'll see if I can find it again, but I could not for the life of me remember what the heck it was. Something's yeah. Something's jogging my mind about that. Yeah. I think Um, we're just walking around somewhere random and I don't know. Yeah, I think the goal the goal for that Hunter's Head photo adventure was to like go to Hunter's Head, but at the same time we were like so Hunter's Head is this incredible restaurant like out in um Upperville. Yeah. Amazing like, mac and cheese. I think yeah. I've only the last time I was there was with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we we actually me and Abby ended up getting married like like two blocks down the street from there. Um uh, this church down there. But at the time yeah, we were just trying to go get mac and cheese, but also like go on a photo venture. And so we just kind of like drove around until we found, I don't know, we saw something that looked interesting. And we, I think at one point, yeah, we saw like a, a cool lake and it was me, you, my sister and Ross. Ross. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I remember we were having dinner and I walked downstairs to use the bathroom and my freaking boss <laughs> was having dinner with his family. What? Yeah. I told you that. Oh, he, yeah. uh, Bill, Bill, you, Bill you, you probably know Bill now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was there having dinner and he was like, hey, what are you doing here? Uh, <laughs> he's, he's very, um, he, yeah. Hunter's head for me. Okay. I've been watching a lot of Downton Abbey. I've just discovered this show. So I've been binge okay. watching it. it. It reminds me of like where, of yeah. that vibe, like that's where society sort of lives yes. in this region of the, the East Coast. What? society yeah i mean they do like they go on hunts i assume yeah you they know, do they're this is like the crowd of people that you would see or that i saw on paintings in like my barber shop growing up yes <laughs> the guys and their horses and their dogs hunting you know whatever yep it's horse country yeah and it, yeah very well they, they do at the church where we got married they do an official blessing of the hounds um so you can bring your dog and I guess it's I guess it's like now ish. Uh, I think it's like in the fall, where you can bring your dog and like the the priest will go around and like bless the dog, you know, for the fox hunt or whatever. Um, so they go. I don't think they actually hunt foxes anymore. But <laughs> let's let's talk about man. It's been a while since we podcast. There's a lot we could kind of get into. But well, hold on before before we go into that, I just want to wrap up the photo venture thing because oh, yes. I, I think we. I've been thinking a lot lately, you know, me and you and, and my friend Greg and our friend Greg have done, have been working on some music lately. And I've been trying to kind of get into a zone of really being more creative and being more excited about exploring new pathways to creativity. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that, a lot of the work involved with like kind of reclaiming your creativity or whatever has to do with kind of going back to what what really excites you or what kind of originally got you going on whatever path creative path you're on and i think in a lot of ways this sort of just kind of fun photo ventures was like very much formative in how i got really excited about photography my big like the the thing that really kicked off my love of photography was going to india with with Vinny and that is is essentially like a 32 day photo venture. Yeah. That was amazing. And I think, uh, what, what would, what would you say? Like what what kind of started your, yeah, it was similar travel. Uh, my, my, uh, you know, best friend growing up, Tucker and I both got cameras around the same time when I was, when we were 16, we both got digital cameras Mm -hmm. and, uh, 
you know, we would occasionally go on like little photo ventures around Virginia where we grew up in the mountains and do kind of like long exposures at creeks and streams and Mm -hmm. like get cool nature shots. But, um, I think it was our first summer after, or maybe it was, yeah, I think our our summer before freshman year, we went on a backpacking trip for three weeks in uh, Europe and just, you know, really, really shoestring budget. Mm-hmm. Got an unlimited rail pass nice. and uh, hit up like nine countries in three weeks or something. And we just, uh, you know, planned and structured the entire trip over just taking, you know, cool spots to take photos. Sweet. And, uh, but most of that, we didn't know anything. This was no. really before the internet was what it is at all. Now there was no, we, we bought like the textbooks of whatever, I don't know, I can't remember what they're called, but like, this is what you go do. So it was mostly walking around cities and taking pictures right. there. It wasn't like we had the the prime Instagram photo locations, just <laughs> stunning imagery other than Cinque Terre, which was, uh, which oh, was man. beautiful everywhere. Um, yeah. And that must've been like 2002. Right. Or, After gosh, high school. No, that must've been like 2000. Yeah. Or Wait, during when did high we school? start college? No, so it was the very la- it was the summer before high school and, and college. Yeah. yeah. So it would have been 2003. That's awesome. So, yeah. Uh, it was great. It was cool. So that was definitely what ignited my, uh, focus and interest in, in more, you know, high quality photography, so to speak, if that makes sense. Where yeah. it actually on that trip is funny. My, um, what did I shoot with? It was a, a Sony like rotatable. I'll send you a link. It was kind of innovative and it really makes a lot of sense as to why I shoot and enjoy the way that I shoot now. Camera 2000. We say three. Uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, we had really great, high quality. You know, probably four megapixels, but right. at the time, high quality. Uh, I had the Sony CyberShot, and then Tucker had a similar Sony that actually took floppy disks. <laughs> Whoa! To, yeah, or like mini CDs or something crazy. It was a mini CD. Yeah, mini CD, something crazy. Mini like disc. That. Mini disc. Yeah, yeah. What? Uh, wrote directly to it from. In the camera, you just sideload the mini disc. Oh my god, I want yeah. that! I actually still ha- I have some mini discs here. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I had a mini disc stereo with a built-in mini disc CD changer. It was awesome. <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah. So I just sent you a link over my message I of what see. my camera looked like, and I that see. whole front element wasn't removable. It was all digital uh, zoom and everything, but it would rotate, so you could like get really extreme angles very Whoa. easily. Oh, uh, weird. Yeah, it was cool. cool. It was the cyber shot. Yeah, man. The, good time. The cyber shot. Yeah, dude, oh, that reminds me of another <laughs> funny memory I have of um, when we were living in Alexandria. Um, I went to a thrift store somewhere. <laughs> this is like, like uh, right when me and Abby were like first dating, because she still reminds okay. me of this and still like gives me shade about it. But I went to this thrift store at one point, and I, I found this this old, like, gateway camera. It was a gateway camera. like Gateway a, computer yes, brand? Yes, gateway computers apparently made a camera. It was one megapixel. It took, it took, it took CF cards, so I, I had, like, a CF okay. card. All right. Put that in there. It did not focus. It didn't have a focusing mechanism. It was a digital camera, but I think it was like the first one ever or something. Anyway, I took like a few photos around the house and I, I took some stuff outside and, and they were just horrible, horrible photos. Just straight to JPEG? Did it probably didn't even take raw? Straight to JPEG. Yeah. Wow. It might even have been like bitmap or something. Like I I don't even, I, I, I can't remember whatever it was. It was like a pain in the ass. Like try to edit but I, I was like i just want to get something that looks like really weird and i i definitely did so literally the next day me and abby went to a show at rock and roll hotel on 8th street at the time 8th street was pretty shady and yeah i brought my camera but i i, I had left it in her car so mm-hmm. um we come back from the show abby's window is busted everything is still there except the camera's mm-hmm. gone I bought that camera for one dollar. Oh my god! And um, Abby, and so I ended up paying like two hundred bucks or something for Abby's <laughs> window to get replaced. And um, 
she like is still mad at me about like (laughs) (laughs) she's like remember that time that you got my window broken because of your stupid camera that you didn't even take any photos with (laughs) i was like yeah i remember that that is rough that's pretty great i mean yeah you know i I suppose those crimes are one of opportunity and people just see something they bust it and go that sucks that's brutal sorry about that that's all good. Uh, I sent you the the picture oh, of what okay. is the Sony wow. Mavica, and actually, it did not take mini disc. It took. Did you ever use those CD ROMs that were actually like cut down to a smaller size? Capacity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took one of those. It was a spinning uh, CD, literally spins, and uh, and wrote like CDR. I wonder if you like hit it hard enough if it would oh, yeah. like corrupt it or mess it, it, it i think he did have issues with that for sure because there's no way when you're writing to a disc to buffer uh for shock right. right right so or there is maybe but it was rudimentary and not very effective so Ooh, yeah, i wonder he, if that uh, would that make really story. cool photos or something <laughs> messed up digital cool no it was horrible and i don't think either of those cameras wrote to uh actual raw files i'd be curious which camera like when did raw come about and which what what were the early cameras to have it i wonder because i mean even the iphone i mean it does take raw but not by default like they really lean into the jpeg uh oh yeah or or actually the newer standard that they've started that yeah h uh, something think, yeah i haven't even looked H-map. into what that's about I, I think it has to do with their uh live photo like uh embed yeah who knows i don't even care but i do n- um virtually nothing professional and serious with my iphone even though i think you could start to get away with that it's just not practical um we should talk about the r6 yeah do you have any new camera in your possession yet? I can't recall. No, I in fact still nothing. They yeah, apparently everywhere is still sold out. I think it. I think once I get back from, I'm going on a trip today, uh, and I'll be back on next Sunday. But I think as soon as I get back, if if it's not in, I'm just going to go buy one with the kit. With the kit, uh, okay. Lens. I did see Adorama said they they now have an arrival date at least for the excuse me EOS R5 body of October twentieth, so full month. R5 or R6? Right, R5, sorry. So that doesn't help. Yeah, it's crazy. I've gotten a lot for Adorama. I really should have. I just assumed that because I got three, (laughs) um, you know, basically all on the same day, that they weren't, there was no shortage. Yeah, I don't get it. And I cannot believe that I just straight up shipped them back to BH. They're going (laughs) for like 6,500 bucks on eBay a pop. Oh my God. I know. It's like, damn it. <laughs> I should have definitely milked that. But uh, you know what's what's really interesting and sort of nice to see, but also like, come on, people, you should have hopped on board years ago. Like the the reason, uh, one of the big reasons I switched to the R was because the Nikon was totally out of stock everywhere. And I got an early copy and it was like, I, didn't, I wasn't happy with the Z. I sent it back. Yeah. And, and, but I remember there were huge shortages all over the place for that camera because it was in such high demand. And the R, I was mystified and curious about on a whim weeks after, you know, at least a week or two after it was shipping actively. And they mm-hmm. had full stock. Yeah. There was no shortage at all. Yep. I so remember. I was like, all right, I'll just buy two and, and try them. Same. And uh, they came like next day when I ordered it. And, and it, people, it, it's so funny to me that it's, sort of the mindset is easily forgotten that the R was just widely panned because, and I think you and I may have talked about this in personal. I, I don't think we ever mentioned it on the podcast, but I have this theory that Canon sort of overshot the uh, video optimization uh, for the R5 to be really, I believe primarily suited for video makers who do photography, you know, as needed, but primary videographers, because they got so widely uh, criticized by YouTubers about the R not doing, uh, you know, not up to spec with what else was available from Sony and stuff in terms of the video aspect of it. Yeah. Cause I it could overshot. Do, yeah. It couldn't do f- the, the R does cropped 4k and people were like, screw the R man. These people suck. And I'm like, I'm but a you know, I'll say I use the, um, there's a, uh, a special adapter you can buy that has a magnifying lens in it that lets in more light and gives you uncropped 4k or really, really, really close to it. Oh, wow. And that adapter is great. Some of the focusing is, is not quite as amazing, but it's, uh, works for like a $300 adapter. It's definitely worth the money. Uh, anyway, awesome. yeah. So I, I really think that they sort of overshot the specs on the five, 
Uh, I've heard rumblings that like supposedly the new firmware update has solved overheating problems. I don't believe it. I still think there's almost no way that that thing is going to be as battery efficient as a photographer, at least a wedding photographer needs. Right. Because it wasn't anywhere close enough for me uh, versus the R6, which has been a dream uh, in terms of battery life, in terms of really everything. I just got the uh, the grip for it. And, oh, nice. Uh, I'm really surprised. I, you know, the R6 was just sort of not on my radar. The R5, you know, earlier this year when the R5 was announced, I don't think the R6 was even announced at the same time. I think it was sort of like slowly leaked later or something like that. Uh, they really didn't prioritize the R6 as anything. And that, I think, is truly the photographer's camera. You know, the photographer that occasionally maybe needs yeah. video. They're, they really, I don't know, maybe they're on purpose, like leaving this sort of gap in the market for like or i don't know maybe they've they've hit the balance just right the r6 is for photographers it has video if you ever really yeah, need it. r5 is for videographers they're just not branding them that way they really should, i think though. yeah they really should yeah i was gonna say i mean i because that's kind of what i've been harping on this whole time in the podcast is like give me a camera designed around photographers like exclusively yeah, I, we don't need every camera to be a, a hybrid you know amazing hybrid thing like right it's just fundamentally there are two different things i've seen you know plenty get away with video photo as like a solo shooter be able to pull it all off and do everything but like fundamentally you're compromising something in the uh, the creative process and the the overall consistency maybe something is being compromised when you're trying to do both video and photo i guarantee yeah it. i so recently i went um i went uh, skateboarding with a couple of people we ended up, um, they were like, they were taking a bunch of video with their iPhones and I had my camera and I was like, why don't I just try to, you know, I want to take some photos of you guys, but can I also, I don't know, let me try taking some video. It was kind of nice that I had the option, uh, mm -hmm. to, you know, with my R to like shoot, I just shot 1080, uh, P, you know, I, it, it's, it just struck me that like, okay, yeah, this is great. I'm glad I have this right now, but like, First of all, there are much better cameras, uh, much better video cameras to shoot skateboarding with uh, than, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, than an EOS R handheld. Um, no stabilization or anything other than the, you know, um, the lens stabilization. Um, and like, and I love how, how the EOS Rs really seems to be designed, you know, more around photography and it's such a great photographer's camera. And so I'm just thinking, like, at what point did camera manufacturers realize that, like, they could, I guess, make more money if they included video, even though it would technically compromise the integrity of the whole thing? I, I mean, don't know. technically speaking, it is well, compromising it, it has the integrity. Compr I mean, the R5, I think, is the first where it's clearly compromised. Right. I mean, as great as it is to have the quality of 8K RAW and the higher um, resolution, 45 megapixel you know, still photo and the crazy fast comp, you know, CF Express memory cards, like yeah. all that has come at a cost of you really need a bag of batteries or access to power on site. So, right. you know, I, I always, <laughs> I, I always kind of forget to stress that like I'm coming from this perspective as a wedding photographer, right? There are plenty of like genres of shooting where, you know, studio work comes to mind for sure. Yep. Still life work, like where you're only taking 50 photos at a session, you know, of right. stuff on a table or something like that. I could see the R5 being just the perfect solution for sure. that. But, um, you know, I always come from the perspective of like sort of the most, load bearing situation, you know, wedding photography, if it can hold up to that, then it can do anything. But there, that doesn't mean there's not room for kind of more specialized cameras. I just wish they, again, that they branded it more sure. in that direction, because a lot of photographers are going to buy this thinking like, Oh yeah, I'm going to have all the bells and whistles. It's going to be the camera for me. And then it's just not going to hold up. It's funny. Cause I thought that was going to be the case with a camera like the D850 back when that was right. released. Remember that was like way of respect. Oh for the yeah, time, man. Especially. That thing was, like was 50. 40-something megapixels. Baller status. Yeah, 48 yeah. megapixels, I think. But it also held up perfectly fine shooting 5,000 images at a wedding. Yeah. Like, it really... I, for me, that camera is still the pinnacle of a DSLR. The Nikon D850. Fond memories, man. <laughs> yeah. That thing is a beast. And, I mean, it's just like the camera. dynamic range of this, those images oh, yeah. was It was, was a insane. perfect balance of, like, 
awesome, insane dynamic range, which I think is more useful overall than high ISO, but it also did do high ISO more than well enough. Yeah, it's not great. Mind blowing, not like the D5 or many of the other Nikon cameras. Right. I don't think even the D750. Uh, speaking of which, have you have you looked in? You probably haven't. I think we talked about this last time. The, the end of the last podcast, the D780. I've been getting a lot of questions oh, about. Oh no, it. I haven't even heard. I just of it. have not had it on my radar. It's the next version of the D750. Okay, so um, it's a DSLR. Yes, DSLR looks solid. Looks great. Did you see? Since we're kind of on the Nikon. Uh, some <laughs> section of this conversation yeah, yeah. real quick. I know where did this you is see headed. the fifty one point two Z? Yes, I did. Yeah. Um how how much is it, do they say? Uh twenty one hundred bucks. Okay. So good price. That's fine. That's fine. more than competitive with the uh Canon fifty one point two. This might be the first autofocus uh fifty one point two Nikon's ever made. I think I it think is. it is. Yeah, I think it yeah. is. It's like the size of a twenty four to seventy zoom. I mean it is it is so big. Oh my and, God. You yeah, know, I've made exceptions that. for that before. Like, uh, you know, I did buy the Canon 85 1.2, yeah, which is massive, humongous. but this looks like that massive. And, and honestly, my recommendation for most people that ask is that if 85 and 35 are like your workhorse primary cameras, don't buy the Canon 85 1.2. Right. It's too big yeah. to have on you all day long. Yeah. Buy yeah. the 85 1.4 uh, and you'll be fine. But if you specialize with occasionally, or sorry, don't specialize, but occasionally use an 85 for creative shots, or maybe just segments of a wedding day or small things, then the 85 1.2 is fine. Uh, but not sure. if it's your go-to, like it just almost never leaves your mount, you know, that kind of thing, which for me, a 50 millimeter almost never leaves my mount. Right. And, uh, this thing just looks way too big for that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the weight is, but it can't be light. No. So and I love, I love Canon's 51 too. It's, it's 2.4 pounds. Whoa. I wonder what the, yeah. uh, I wonder what the, the Canon, Canon, yeah, what's 50, the Canon yeah. 51 too? How much? Cause I, it, it is heavy. The 51 too actually is heavy. Um, the, the funny thing about it though, so this, is that it's this is balanced. 2.09 pounds for the Canon 2.09 versus what I say? 2.4. Yeah. So it's almost a half pound. Heavier. Okay. So the, I, I mean, mean our, the 1.2 is already like a, a heavier lens. It's not as light as I would want. No, uh, it's still, it's nowhere near my, one of my all time favorites, the Nikon 58, 1.4. Oh, 58, 1.4. The thing was a featherweight. I yeah. loved that. It was the best lens ever. Um, you know, I, I, yeah. Part of me wishes Nikon had just tried to make that again. Like, oh, dude, they totally I mean, should I have the 58 one four is a beauty, Yeah, but I love, so the thing that I love though about the Canon one too, is that it is heavy, but the way that it's weighted is, um, really nice. It just, it, it feels great on, especially on the R body. I don't know how, I guess I don't know how it really feels on the, um, on the R six, but I just love how it balances really well. So when, whenever yeah. I, it just feels really great to like bring the camera up to my eye with the 50 on there i feel like i'm ready to go um even though it is a little heavy the the balance of it really works out well i don't know that's a small thing but during during shooting especially you know four or eight hour weddings (laughs) dude and we this is a segue but i'm just thinking about like this thought that i had yesterday about how weddings I don't know if weddings are going to necessarily need to be on Saturdays anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that was one of the first things I mentioned on social media. I was like, hey, guys, you know, we're, everyone's oh, freaking out right. about rescheduling uh, clients. Like, you should really look at Friday weddings, Thursday weddings. Right. Something, but I, know, Because, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really astute uh, thing to say at the time. And I think, I think thinking more about that, I just realized, you know, that was right at the beginning of this this whole disaster um plague plague actual biblical plague and but now that we're really in it and we are now like i'm now finally actually catching up to some of the way like i did a wedding yesterday for a wedding that was supposed to be in may and so now i'm i'm finally getting around to a few of these weddings that got rescheduled we're like really in the thick of it everyone's wearing masks the entire time except for the bride and groom during the ceremony what and and it just it just hit me even more yesterday that we are now firmly in the new reality of people are not really traveling for big weddings uh so th- why would you get married on a saturday the whole point of getting married on a saturday is so that your relatives can come in on friday 
do the wedding on Saturday and leave on Sunday. That's the, that's the main thing about Saturdays and it's a weekend, um, you know, where you're not working, but yesterday was a Friday and they were like, we're just going to get married on Friday. Who cares? And like, yeah, the groom was like, I'm actually getting paid today. I'm I'm using PTO. That's what I was going to say is people are working from home. Yeah. So now there should be as a consequence of that, way more flexibility with what people can do in their weekdays or with their travel schedule or whatever. My sister, um, she just had a kid, so she is on uh, maternity leave, but, uh, her husband is not, he only got two weeks paternity leave, which is really messed up, but whatever. But yeah, um, they, but they both work from home. So they're able to go visit my mom 18 hours away for a month. (laughs) It's awesome. Yeah. Bring their dog and their baby. And they're just like hanging out, um, for a month to, be out of Texas for a bit. And they can do that because a, my sister's on maternity leave, but she would have been working remotely as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's going to be hopefully, I, but I don't know. I really don't. I think I mean, yeah, it I takes, it's easy for us to see like how that trend sh- should pick up and could make a lot of sense. But at the end of the day, I think the, the typical work week, you know, Monday through Friday, grinding it out is sort of ingrained in people's overall. Yeah. Just we're lifestyle. just going to, yeah, but we're going to see if that changes because I know that, like at the beginning of this uh, pandemic, I got a call from Ross, uh, from Ross who lives out in Seattle. That like, oh man, this is going to be great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask for like, I already work from home on Fridays. I'm gonna ask for Thursdays too. And uh, and I'm like looking back on that naively, being like, <laughs> yeah. hey, well, I don't know you if know? you're going back to the office, you know. And he hasn't been. And like our friend Greg, he's. He's working from home all the way through the end of the year for 100% sure and probably beyond. And I hope that this will also begin to challenge the idea of the five day work week, which is really, I think, yeah, from wrong. a different era. Like yeah. It was, yeah, I agree. I think a lot, a lot could change. I really am also interested to see how this affects the, like the unintended anticipated consequences and one of them is very easy to anticipate and that's sort of the collapse of commercial real estate right. must must occur at some point like i yeah I, companies are saving millions and millions of dollars like they no longer have to provide uh you know especially big modernized companies like tech companies they don't right. have to provide uh meals for people anymore they don't pay to have free lunches or whatever. I mean, that saves them millions of dollars sure. a year, bigger companies sure. and, uh, not, not to mention desk space and all that crap. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be, but you're, crazy t- to see. you're talking about commercial real estate though. You're saying like office buildings. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, along with just the food costs, uh, the office buildings can now be way smaller. If you don't need to have a fully staffed, uh, you know, set of every employee there every single day, if they come every other day, something like that. Like it's also gonna be interesting is to see like the long term. So it makes sense to me that the, the transition was maybe a bit rocky, but overall manageable when you've got your already hired employees switching from being in the office to working remotely. But what happens when you start getting uh, new hires, new team members who literally haven't physically met anybody else on their team, trying to like massage them into the sort of culture of your company. I mean, so much that plays into the success of a company has to do with the culture. And so much of that, I would say the vast majority of it seems like uh, it's been a while since I've (laughs) worked in that kind of environment myself, (laughs) but I'm guessing so much of that must come from how literally the physical space is laid out, how people, um, you know, the serendipity of like coming, working next to a certain department that like creates a certain, um, results and consequences that maybe really benefit the company. Like just how things are laid out culturally is, is so critical. And that I feel like is completely upended when you go remote and when you bring in new hires that are only ever going to know the remote sort of way of doing things versus being in the office. So you, this, you know, years down the line how does that play out i don't know and maybe new hires or employees in general become much more what's a good word for it like transient (laughs) yeah like they could hot swappable yeah move Um, hot swap yeah yeah (laughs) movable yeah yeah like or interchangeable yeah like and i don't think that we there's a great uh risk of 
jobs being outsourced to other countries? Because I think there's so much that goes into just needing to know the language, the the actual culture of the country you're living in, and just simply the time zone. But uh, I, so I don't see like there's going to be like a huge rush of outsourcing to other other countries like India or China or anything right. for these kinds of jobs. But your actual value as a unique, distinct employee may not be as as high when somebody else who also lives in the city who will take ten grand less a year is able to be you know. Hot swapped right back in. Right. <laughs> so. Hot swappable employees today on the Epic Podcast. Um, but I mean, think about it, like so much of what, the stickiness of what I'm an employee provides for a company in terms of not wanting to let them go and everything is just they're, they're familiar with yeah. who everyone is uh, in a physical, real life way. That must be lost. Uh, I don't know how being going online for the majority of the work can replace that. Maybe it does. Maybe yeah, I mean, I'm you're just, just too far removed from slack channels and trello and all the new tools that offices use to keep up with things maybe they really like insert people in an intimate way that makes them irreplaceable but i doubt it <laughs> i mean yeah all, 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 if all you're seeing is just 16 heads on a screen every day like that's the thing yeah that's your and, interaction you know and you can so much i would say more precisely measure the cost the the return on investment uh when you bring in somebody new uh at least uh, in a very simplified way i've been able to experience this i brought in um so i uh i hired a company to take care of some of like rewriting the copy on my patreon page and do just other like tasks that i've been interested in mm-hmm. uh, one of which is like transcribing or converting like a video that i make into a text article format because okay. it is incredibly difficult and tedious for me to do not only make the video and edit it and do everything that goes into it, but also then make that an article. It's too much work for me to do. And, um, there are, you know, things you can kind of automate to, to have a computer just like convert it, whatever, but you really need a human to comb through it and make it sound like the right voicing and make sense as an article. Right. So I hired a company to take on some of those tasks and they're not cheap. They're like 800 bucks for 20 hours of work across a month. Okay. And I can measure that exact, like, okay, I spent $800. Have I made $800 more this month? Sure. (laughs) Have I made anywhere close to that? Have I saved uh, and been able to take that extra 20 hours of my own time and convert that into more profit for me as a company? Definitely not. Right. Uh, I can measure that directly from one month to the next and see like, actually, this is not worth it at all. And, uh, you know, but if I had the experience of maybe hiring an assistant that you know, we had a shared office space and you had that relationship where you just have like a, a nice mindset with working with them. Uh, or like, you know, I think you could come up with, even if they're not measurable, you could come up with justifications for that investment being worth it. Oh, well, you know, Nathan meets me at the office and that I get so much done when I'm there. Right. So like, it's worth it to have as an investment, even if I don't see more money in my account at the end of the month. Right. But with right. virtual assistants, you, it's a clear, yeah, yeah you can like tell, like, uh, yeah. I, uh, that actually didn't do anything or like, yeah. oh my God, I was able to spend like 10 hours, like, you know, this month, like not worrying about right. my, you know, articles. Um, yeah. but it's, it's not because here's the other thing. So much is being, uh, What's the right word? Uh, I guess modularized. So I was able to, like, for example, one of the many services I tried to off put to this, you know, virtual assistant company was the article translating. I give them a bunch of different things to try. Uh, the article thing was the big one, though, the most tedious. And I found somebody on Fiverr that would do it for thirty bucks, <laughs> all the cart, just once a pot. You know, one here's the video, convert it. Uh, they have like a twenty minute time limit. You can pay extra if you go over, blah blah blah. But it's like right there a per use as pay as you go technically kind of thing whatever mm-hmm. uh bam fiverr done like so much of those skills can be uh yeah you don't have to pay you don't have to buy hours in bulk and like use them or lose them or any other the stuff that goes into a lot of these sort of solutions that are trying to uh pop up right now it's right. it's a fascinating time but I do wonder if an em- a new employee is going to be kind of held to a higher standard or just the productivity sort of layer of accountability because they can really measure the results. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. And I'm also wondering how the, I feel like the unemployment rate right now in the country, you know, being super high, I wonder how long, obviously a lot of that's due to jobs not being available. Right. Um, and so mm-hmm. 
I'm wondering if these people that have lost jobs, if they are able to get the resources or support together to learn something that will be useful, let's say, let's say programming. All right. Um, let's say they're young enough to like, get it. (laughs) Um, I could see like a lot of those people eventually getting jobs, uh, in, you know, the tech field or, Sure. You know, something that kind of goes along with this sort of new economy. Um, not exactly sure what I was going for with that. <laughs> it's fine. But I, I, I'm just thinking Access like... to skills. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of trying to think about like the new... This new reality that we're living in feeling more and more permanent every day. And mm-hmm. trying to feel like, you know, if this is the way it's going to be, how can we embrace it? How can we, how can we mold it to... Um, help as many people as possible. Well, one thing I'll say is that it, the, the, we seem to finally be over sort of the stigma or the the negative sort of visceral negative reaction people um, had, I think, the, the greater uh, society had to paying for things online. Mm-hmm. I think Netflix led the way with a lot of that. But uh, for example, I just watched uh, one of my old school favorite bands, Anne Berlin, oh, yeah. play a live streamed show last night. It was 10 bucks for the live stream. 10 bucks if you wanted to buy the recording. They're going to master oh, cool. it and release it in like a month, the recording of that live stream. And they had a full, like, uh, you know, special one off run of t shirts and all this merch that people bought while watching the live stream. And it was like, this is, this is great. I'm glad. I'm so happy so to be great. There's the, the go between of, I think that was part of the key in making it more acceptable for people was there is no middleman now. The money is going straight to the creator that you're excited yes. to support. I love that. Not necessarily through multiple layers of uh you know a label i'm sure other people are getting cuts that we're yeah, not I'm aware sure of from a live stream but like they were able to have a show with thousands of people paying you know a larger show than they'd ever be able to do in, in most venues mm-hmm. uh paying them for their time and it was just awesome so uh that's one hurdle in this sort of quote new reality i think a lot more people are willing to value the time and energy that goes into being a quote creator or doing something that's in an online format uh, and paying for it. Yeah. Just assuming it's going to be free. And uh, speaking of which, my God, have you seen YouTube? They have cranked the ads on all of the videos by like 2X. Oh, I, I, have, I have ad blockers on that, that block oh, all ads. Yeah, I probably should do that. Uh, but, but I'm ha- but there, yeah. So you're technically like taking revenue from the actual creators that are there. Yeah. But like, uh, uh, it is insane. I, I, I do wonder if the ad supported uh, model is going to break down after a certain point when, when enough creators are able to monetize. <laughs> I, using, I, I really you know, hope so. Yeah. I, I just, I'm, I'm at the point where like, well, I, here's the other thing. Yeah. Another really interesting thing. That's this is fascinating timing considering the, you know, uptick and the huge kind of unicorning of all these tech companies, given the new sort of era we're entering so many things being online. Uh, Apple is rolling out. I think they already did. I haven't been presented with the option, but if it's not out, it's coming very soon. Uh, You will be actively prompted. Hey, do you want this app to track you for advertising? And I can't imagine anybody's going to say yes to that. Right. (laughs) And I think advertising in at least the mobile app is going to be a a little bit less, uh, I don't know, effective. Uh, So I think what it's doing is blocking uh, being able to track you from one app to the next. Like if if you're in Safari and you browse, uh, inflatable hot tub. You're not going to start seeing ads in the Facebook stream for that versus now you might. Yeah. You, I think you do. It, it keeps yeah. it siloed, right? It, it, this option will keep it siloed to whatever app it's in. If you say, no, don't track me. It, they can still track you, but it's yeah. only in one spot, which I think makes sense, but it does, um, definitely hinder the effectiveness. Cause right now, if you run ads, man, this podcast is all over the place. It really if is. If you do run ads, just as a side note, like it's, it's hard to track conversions. Sometimes people come to your page, they see a product, whatever it is, and they maybe come back a week later without going through the funnel of an ad or something like that. A lot of times the conversion like breaks and you don't realize that you actually had an effective you know, funnel or ad in place. So this will increase uh, cases like that, issues like that with being able to track and advertise effectively. The other thing is you have to, you have to wonder, like, would you rather see random ads like you used to on TV that some maybe apply, but most have no interest to you whatsoever? Or would you rather see ads that are like really heavily uh, geared to your, toward your interests and things that you might actually like and buy? 
that does go into sort of you know, an experience you need to think about. <laughs> yeah, c- um, kind of, except you yeah. could also just say, I would rather not have any of that. Um, like I don't, I'm a person with like extreme ADD. If I see anything like I, I, sure, you know, I'm distracted and, um, like I don't like ads because it, it breaks my train of thought on any given subject. So that's like, a big reason that I don't like ads. I don't want to see ads that are tailored to me. I don't want to see ads at all, really. But you know, like, I don't mind not seeing ads that are tailored to me because then I won't be like, like waylaid on my way to like freaking watching this video that I need to watch or want to watch. And the other thing is, uh, have you seen Social Dilemma, the documentary? I started watching it. It's, I did start to watch it. It's uh, good. It was it was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's good. Um, it's it just kind of goes into the idea that that social media companies and really kind of all major tech companies have unlimited boundaries to keep your data, you know, track you and like find ways of advertising to you and find ways of breaking your mind into like going down the pathways where you will buy something. Um, And I think that, that, you know, that a lot of that has to do with kind of like, you know, unregulated um, social media economy. Okay. But anyway, all that to say, ads are also actively keeping track of you. And at one point, I mean, at any point that could be used against you as well. So I don't know. I know right. it's just hundred percent agree. It's just yeah. a weird no, place we're in. Hundred percent, and we didn't even get to the uh, like the TikTok ban. Oh right, <laughs> and that whole that whole thing. It's uh, it's a crazy time we're living in. It is. It's, but, it's crazy. <laughs> um, so many uh, so many things, but uh, we don't have to get into that. I think this is probably a good place to maybe start wrapping this up. Yeah, uh, but I, it's uh, we didn't at all really talk about the R six in the way that I wanted to. But I, I will say, if anybody's listening and is holding out for it, um, highly recommend. It's awesome. Yeah, I awesome can't camera. wait to finally get my freaking hands on this dumb camera, which is now you sitting did use in mine a little bit. B and H hell, yes, it's awesome. Yeah. I did, I did yeah. use yours. I um, just got the grip for it the other day, and the grip is—is is it solid? Solid, yeah. solid grip. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I love grips because you can, you know, if you want the same exact camera, it can feel like a big old professional DSLR, and there's some weight and uh, gravity gravitas that that brings when, when you're shooting when yeah. you're shooting i think people are like oh there's the professional mm-hmm. uh versus having the most small tiny little nimble sony camera where it's just like is this guy the photographer or what is this <laughs> you know i do uh, i do love that too it it feels yeah. like like e- even yesterday yeah. where i was like the the uh, priest was like hey everybody here no you know no, the couples asked for no you know, no photo, no iPhone photos to be taken during the ceremony. They have a professional photographer and they, and everybody like looks at me and I'm sitting there with like my backpack, my two cameras, yeah. one of them's huge. Uh, and I'm like, hell yeah, I'm the photographer. You guys back <laughs> off. So like, that's great. <laughs> I don't know. It does. I love having the grip too. And it just that's like, great. it gives yeah. me a little, it, like, I feel it feels like easier for me to just grab and go with the, with a bigger uh, camera so 100 percent, yeah it's and the grip on this is fantastic and then obviously without the grip uh the build is the, fantastic as well like it, it's right up there with the r5 uh slight inconvenience to not have the lcd on top because you can't just eyeball your battery life right uh, by turning the camera but uh you know I, I have that set as a quick menu uh accessible option right. to show me battery life and i've had no issues with overheating and writing to two uh sony sd cards all the time everything's great and the lightweight uh 20 megapixel files are so great it's still not the best experience transferring wirelessly but i'm still kind of working that out cool it's not the worst experience they've definitely improved it uh transferring to your phone but it's not quite perfect in my opinion it's yeah it's an interesting journey but i'll write up a full review at some point we'll sweet to it. Yeah. uh all right well uh i guess i'll uh talk to you later or something all right well all right well